We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. And Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Happy New Year, Pacer Nation. Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And your Indiana Pacers go into Milwaukee to start out the year. Take down those Bucks 122-113. They have an 18-14 record now, four games above 500. And here to talk with me about this massive victory is your buddy, Michael J. Focci. Everybody loves Focci, so he's everybody's buddy tonight. Hey, and I love everybody. But <laughs> here's the thing. I got a smile on my face that I can't wipe off. Alex, This the way this game started out, the Pacers trailing by as many as 15 in the first quarter, I had a bad feeling. I went, oh, man, you know this is bad blood with Milwaukee. They are not going to overlook us. As many times as the Pacers were falling down and trailing in double digits, they never quit. They crawled back. This is a statement win. And I know that this is the third win over Milwaukee this year. This one just, I don't know, it feels a little bit different. And it was a great response, a great fourth quarter. And, man, I just don't want this winning streak to end. No, I mean, and the reason it feels different is, right, because the Pacers had a target on their back. It was one of those things where it's like, okay, there was all this drama that happened last game. The Bucks were clearly amped up to play the Pacers after Indiana, you know, took them out during the in-season tournament run to the championship game. 
And so Milwaukee was motivated. You know, the Pacers finally have kind of got back on track. Milwaukee's been playing pretty good basketball. They've won 15 straight games in the Pfizer form. Haven't lost since October 29th against the Hawks at the beginning of the season. The Pacers give them a, a loss to start the year off with. And I just think it was one of those things where the Pacers were resilient. You talked about it. Those those two 15-point leads the Bucks got in the first quarter and the third quarter. Being able to overcome that was huge, Fachi. They they had a 24 to 8 run, I think, in the in the second quarter, end of the first, going into the second, the Pacers did to kind of get the lead back from Milwaukee. And I forget what the total uh total run was here in the in the fourth, but I know that they were able to overcome uh a 17 to 6 run to close out the third and make it a four-point game. So just really a resilient effort by the Pacers. Now, this is one of those games that as bad as things seemed at times, you kept selling you kept saying to yourself, we're only down seven. We're only down four, and like it, it was like weird to be able to say that because this team, I mean, they couldn't hit a three pointer if their life depended on it. I mm-hmm. mean, this was some of the worst three point shooting I have seen for the Indiana Pacers. Alex, they finished the game five of thirty five yeah, from three. If you told me we beat the Bucks, let alone anyone shooting 5 of 35 from 3, I wouldn't have believed you. I would yeah. have said this had to have been an exhibition game or something. The fact the Pacers were able to do this with such poor three-point shooting, and honestly, the starters were, outside of Tyrese, they were rough. They were rough tonight. This is a game where the Pacers overcame a lot, and it just shows this team, it's a next man up. Their depth is what helped them get this win because someone else continuously stepped up when the Pacers need him to. The Pacers had 12 more free throw attempts than the Milwaukee Bucks in this game, Fachi. Wild. Which is something you will never, hardly ever see when you're playing against Giannis. 52 rebounds to 46 in favor of the Pacers. Uh, Seven turnovers only caused by uh, the Pacers. 11 for the Bucks. Fast break points, Pacers 16, Bucks 8. Points in the paint, Indiana 64, Milwaukee 50. So just kind of beating Milwaukee at their own game because I felt like there's no way we're going to win this game if we don't hit some threes. And it felt like we were shooting a lot at the beginning of the game. And there were some good looks. Like Jalen Smith was one for six from three tonight. Had some good looks, but he was just not a good matchup playing the four tonight. And then you have to look at how everything else has played out. Like I think only uh, Toppin was our best three-point shooter, one of three. Everybody, nobody hit more than one three-pointer tonight for this Pacers team. And it's just one of those things where it's like, how did they find a way to win? Well, they just kept chipping away, and they kept taking some good two-point shots. I know Tyrese Halliburton really got going there in that second half. Started taking that mid-range jumper, and I talked about it a couple episodes ago with how defenses are guarding him. It's making him kind of be more of a mid-range kind of guy, and he's really embraced it. It's almost like he hangs in the air a little bit more on his shot, and and it falls. And it's it's one of those things where I, I think he's just kind of crafting that. But overall, I mean, the game ball, though, obviously Giannis wants it because, you know, he's still upset about it, upset that we're not shaking hands after the game either. You know, that was just a wild event that happened that last game. There's a lot of bad blood. But I, I think if you're giving the game ball to anybody tonight, as good as Tyrese was, it's got to go to Benedict Matherin. Benedict Matherin, to me, was the guy that was really carrying this load for the Pacers, especially being a part of that bench unit that led Indiana in both comebacks. Yeah, you and I had like somewhat similar tweets, like right at the same time. But like, it was just, it just felt like Matherin had it. Yeah. Tonight, like you saw it, you saw it early on that like he came out there and some of his finishes in traffic around the rim, it was art. 
it was a thing of beauty. It was just like he had some finishes that I was like, oh my god! Like you saw the star potential that's always there that you just want to see more. The scoring, fantastic. We know this man could score, but what we said the other night was how didn't he have a single other stat other than fouls or turnovers? He had no rebounds yeah. tonight. A career high. 13 rebounds for Benedict Matherin. I mean, that was just really impressive to me. Like I mentioned, some of his finishes, fantastic. The 13 rebounds, that's what blew me away. And now we got to know that it's just when this man is locked in and he's doing, he's showing the effort on the glass, he can rebound. We don't need him to get 13 rebounds. But tonight, he led the Pacers in rebounding on a night where the Pacers out-rebounded Milwaukee. Something that is, it's a tall task to do. Benedict Matherin, no doubt, the game ball tonight. For sure. And he got to the free throw line quite a bit with six and nine from the free throw line and was really able to get into the paint and make Milwaukee pay. And that's one of the things you love about Ben Matherin is when he is driving downhill. But he even, like, the first three that he made was a catch and shoot three that looked really good. And he kind of broke the Pacers, uh, not making any threes to start out. And then it didn't really carry over, obviously. But. It was just good to see him catch and shoot it so quick, and I love that he got that quick release off. I mean, he had, I think, seven, eight points early on in the first quarter. He was just really grooving, and he didn't really seem like he was playing out of control. Nine of 15 from the field is what you love to see. Very efficient numbers from him. Wasn't forcing, was able to get to the free throw line. You know, Milwaukee really had a hard time defending this Pacers team without fouling, something we have seen the Pacers struggle with overall. But, you know, a uh, funny stat here. TJ McConnell, obviously, tonight I want to talk about him, was huge off the bench, six, uh, off the bench. 16 points, 9 assists, 4 rebounds. Check this out. Milwaukee's bench tonight as a total. 16 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists. Literally the same stat line. TJ McConnell just had the rebounds and assists change, but 16, 9, and 4 from McConnell was exactly what the Bucks bench did. They had 16 points tonight in the game, and the, and the Pacers had 70. So Pacers outscored Milwaukee's bench 70-16. to 16. That's tough to do, and that just kind of shows you why when you go all in, for a couple of superstars in your starting lineup, it does hurt your depth, especially when they go <laughs> and play terrible like Damian Lillard tonight did tonight. Lillard was, it's crazy because at times I just forgot he was on the court. Same. I mean, he's three of 16, so it's more like when I remembered he was there, it's because he was missing. But uh, for TJ McConnell, you, you brought him up. Andrew Nemhard, he tweaks his back. Nemhard does not return, barely plays. Uh, he plays eight minutes. TJ McConnell, this is why it's so valuable to have a guy like McConnell who's always ready. He was a plus 31 in this game. And, you know, I had mentioned it. Some of his effort plays, they're never going to show up on a box score. But when he's diving for that loose ball uh, at towards the end of the game where Chris Middleton's right there, I didn't think the Pacers were going to get the call. But they did. And that effort by McConnell right there, very few players are willing to go to the extent that McConnell was willing to go. And that right there is that man always leaves it all on the court. So, amazing stuff. Such a blessing to be able to have a guy like TJ McConnell who can play, either not play for a while, and then give you big minutes. I mean, nine assists, zero turnovers. Those things right over there. It's Any team would kill for that. And, and just across the bench, I just felt like, you know, you look at the starters, you want to go from just a plus-minus standpoint, it's ugly. I mean, Jalen Smith, a minus 19, Neesmith, minus 11, Turner, minus 20, Nemar, minus 21, Halbert, minus 5. Just throw out some numbers here for the bench. We'll get into them individually, but Obi Toppin, plus 35. 
Yeah. Isaiah Jackson plus twenty nine. McConnell plus thirty one. Buddy oh six. That was tough. But plus he was a plus four. And then Matherin plus twenty two. The bench, which is a Pacers strength, and you looked at Milwaukee's bench. It was two totally different universes of a bench play tonight in Indiana. I think that was a major difference in this game. Yeah, I think Buddy's numbers got skewed a little bit because he had to start that second half for Andrew Nimhard with the starter. So he was a he was on the wrong end of that 15-0 run. Uh, wasn't able to kind of weather the storm there. But, you know, the Pacers did a good job of adjusting it. There's a lot of different players we could look at here. But overall, I just felt like this was a really solid game from the bench, like you mentioned. And the way that the Pacers are built, right? You know, a lot of these guys that are on the bench now were starters. So they're used to playing more minutes. Then they're, you know, then accustomed to like, you know, where you're seeing Jalen Smith get a jump up from 12 to 15 minutes to maybe 25, 30. You know, the bench guys can come in there and handle a heavier load like Matherin did tonight, playing 36 minutes. I actually think uh, he was right there with Tyrese Halliburton for the most minutes in the game. And you could tell when he was on the floor, I mean, for him to play 36 minutes in the Pacers to be a plus 22, that basically says when he didn't come into the game in the first and the third quarter, that's when the Pacers got beat. And then when he was on the floor, they took advantage of Milwaukee's whatever, lackluster play or whatever you want to call it. So Matherin just really brought it tonight. Um, but Buddy Hill to 06, it was just a tough game. This is a tough matchup for Buddy Hill. I, I would just put it out there. I think unless he is knocking down threes, it, it, he can't really defend this team very well. And so that's tough. Obi Toppin, I felt like for his game personally, it was okay. I wasn't super impressed with it, more so than just – he was out there at the right times with the right groups that were really clicking. He had some good moments, some bad fouls on Giannis, but overall, like he wasn't bad by any stretch of the means. He was, he was just, he was good, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't stand out a lot. But I think the guy that stood out the most in just 20 minutes of play was Isaiah Jackson. You could feel him on the court tonight, 18 points, nine rebounds, Fachi. Just another spectacular game from Isaiah Jackson. Despite the foul trouble, you got to love what you're seeing from him. He has impressed me. I mean, Isaiah just, he just plays with like, like he plays fierce. I mean, his dunks, he's, it's hard. He, he's just, at all points, he's trying to give you everything he's got. And Isaiah took quite a fall in this game. I mean, it looked like that man fell eight feet in the air when, you know, he got tangled up with Bobby Portis. And I was like, oh, no, this could have been bad. One, I want to give a shout out to Matherin for immediately holding him back so tempers didn't flare. But two, he was also all right. He easily could have been hurt, and I'm yeah. glad that he wasn't. But Isaiah played so well. We talked about it the other night. What happens when Bruce Brown comes back? Is Isaiah out of the rotation? A night like tonight is like, whoa, that can't happen. He's playing too good to the point where I got I got so annoyed that I got worried that when he picked up that fifth foul, when he pushed Giannis, I was like, no, like, we need you out there. And I worried, like, don't tell me this is when Milwaukee's going to go on a run. I never thought I would be that nervous for Isaiah Jackson to pick up a fifth foul to start this year. I never thought I'd be screaming at the TV, no, Isaiah! Like It's like that's how meaningful he's been able to, to be for the Pacers. And I'm just so proud of what we've seen out of him. I mean, could this man have packed a bigger punch in 20 minutes of play? The stat line of 18-9, and 6-9 of nine shooting, I mean, that – you would have thought you would have been impressed if that happened in 30 minutes. He does it in 20. Yeah, I will say one of the things that I've really liked about Isaiah Jackson is just his ability to stay under control when he catches those tough passes. And his footwork has gotten really, really, uh, it's really improved, I should say. I, I continue to see him grow as a player. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was like, man, I'm not really impressed with Isaiah Jackson. I was like, he's my least favorite pacer. 
because at just one point I'm like, he really didn't step up and, and, and take the bull by the horns, especially in the preseason. Like he was given the backup role and it wasn't Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith was the third string and he just didn't really go out there and play well in that matchup against Memphis. So, you know, Jalen Smith ended up playing better than him. And I think he kind of earned those spots and Jalen's shooting has really helped. But to me, it's one of those things where Isaiah continues to just find ways to be impactful. You know, he didn't even have any block shots tonight. And that's one of the things he's known for doing, but his activity, you know, Milwaukee's a little bit of a slower team. Portis, Lopez, even Giannis is not like super quick off his feet. You see a lot of guys kind of blow by Giannis and he'll try to recover, but he's not like a quick twitch athlete like you see with Isaiah. Like Isaiah just gets off his feet in like seconds. He's like a pogo stick. Yes. And so I think like just having someone like that, that's that athletic, that can catch a ball and just get up and put it in the basket really quick is kind of more challenging for some of these guys. You know, Jalen and Miles are not that way either. They're a little bit slower. So having that, you know, uh, type of, you know, adjustment you can make, not adjustment, but that other, that other option you can have with your stylistic of play, I, I think that really does help. And so, you know, I, Isaiah Jackson, it's it's been an up and down time for him this year, but I feel like probably over the last month, he's been really, really good. Way more ups than downs, way more. I mean, the downs at this point are like, yeah, you know what, eventually he'll come down to earth. But I think for right now, I mean, he's, he's soaring high. And I, I think that when you look at this, like, the Pacers did things differently than last time against Milwaukee. I mean, last time against Milwaukee, the Bucks scored 140 points. Yeah. All right. They went to the free throw line. I want. I have it right in front of me. I believe it was. It was 48 times. 48 times. Giannis went to the line. 32 of those times. Tonight, Milwaukee shoots 26 free throws, so almost about half. And Giannis only went to the line 11 times. I mean, holding Giannis to 30 points. I know he had a triple double. He had 30, 18, and 11. And I can live with it all night long because I just feel like holding Giannis to 30 is a win when last time he had 64 against the Pacers. And you see that starting lineup that the Pacers had last time against Milwaukee. Obi Toppin was in the lineup, Bruce Brown was in the lineup, and Buddy Heald was in that lineup. Completely yeah. different starting five. And look, it's not like the starters you know, really uh, were the big reason why the Pacers won, so maybe it's just a coincidence. But I just felt like this was just a – it felt like a different Indiana team than what the Bucks saw last time. Like, we were just preyed upon, and Giannis just feasted. And I felt like tonight, you saw Milwaukee kind of start to fade away a little bit as the game went on, and Indiana just continued to get stronger. This was a win right over here that is exactly what you needed. The fan base needed to say, this Pacers team, I think they could be for real. I don't think it's a fluke of beating up on the Knicks who are, you know, without a few guys. You know, beating a Chicago or a few other teams like that. It's like, this is a really quality win. And, I, man, I, I'm still just shocked because the way this game started and how it finished. I will say the Pacers did a much better job defending Giannis in this game. Much better. And, and one of the things that I saw them do was basically say, okay, we're going to let you have the ball. <laughs> at the top of the key, and they really weren't picking him up until, like, right below the free throw line. Like, Obi Toppin several times was standing way below the free throw line, just kind of waiting for Giannis to get his momentum going. They're like, shoot the ball from outside. We dare you. And then whenever he would try to get the ball and, and, and drive, the Pacers were doing a pretty good job at, at sending help. And I think that that help kind of – and I know Quinn Buckner brought it up too, like walling off Giannis made it more difficult for him. He had zero points outside of right at the basket or at the free throw line. His mid-range jumper, his three-point shot, he wasn't hitting any of those. And so 
it was really good to see the Pacers kind of dare him to shoot those. I know you think I think he went eleven of twenty, which is he did fifty five percent. But I feel like Giannis is shooting around seventy percent against the Pacers because of where he's getting his shots from. You know, and if he wants to take three point shots, that is a win for the Pacers. So I thought, like you mentioned Ball's early on, on, when when Malik Beasley got hot and 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 Brooke Lopez got hot, I thought, okay, it's going to be a long night if these guys are going to get going because the Bucks are so hard to defend when you have to worry about Middleton. Lillard and Giannis already so when their role players get going that just makes it even more of a tough challenge but you know the Pacers never gave up they didn't let the 15 point leads get them down and even though there was times you could tell that starting group was frustrated it's almost like they were just like ah, especially in the third quarter they it felt like they were just like ready to explode with anger because they were so mad they couldn't stop Milwaukee's momentum but they just kept chipping away and one of the good things that I saw from tonight's game was the combination of, of TJ McConnell and Tyrese Halliburton this has been a group or a duo, I should say, that has not usually worked well together. That pairing is a little bit off because you want the ball in Halliburton's hands. You want McConnell to kind of be off ball a little bit. But with how much attention that Halliburton's getting, it does help having another playmaker out there in McConnell and someone that the Bucks really weren't paying attention to or respecting like they should have. And McConnell made them pay for that in the fourth. But I also thought that it freed up Tyrese in this game, too, to be a little bit more off ball and get some different looks than maybe he would have gotten had he had the ball in his hands the whole entire time. No, honestly, both point guards, I mean, they, they've had their moments at times. I mean, they in this game, they combined uh, 20 assists to just two turnovers. But also for Halliburton, in that first half, it was rough. He struggled from the field. He was 3 of 10, 0 of 4 from 3. Look, the whole team shot bad from 3. But he goes 3 of 10 in the first half. Alex, he finishes the game 11 of 22. I mean, think about that. So he finishes the, in the second half. He shoots 8 of 12 from the field. He had 9 points in the fourth quarter. Classic Halliburton for, we talked about, we joked how some might say he's not clutch. Yeah, he didn't need a basket with 10 seconds to go in this, but he hit big baskets with about a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes to go. Like He just went on a little bit of a run, and it's just everything the Pacers needed to be able to distance themselves just enough to be able to maintain this lead. And I know they win by nine, but there was a moment where I started to get a little bit nervous where I think Milwaukee had cut it to maybe like six or so, and, you know, the Pacers were missing some free throws. But Halliburton did everything that you needed in a franchise player to be able to put the Bucks away. Very cool for him to be able to do it, you know, close to home. Uh, you know, for him, be able to have a performance like this, awesome, awesome stuff. Um, and just, just overall, I mean, when you, you can win a game like this, when everything goes wrong, shooting-wise, it yeah. gives you confidence to just say, you know what, we can beat anybody on any given day. And one thing that we didn't talk about, we mentioned a little bit, the turnovers. I just felt like the Pacers did a fantastic job protecting the ball tonight. Just seven turnovers, yeah. major ingredient of why the Pacers were able to you know, win this game. No, I mean, and that's the thing. I don't think Milwaukee's defense is going to really pressure you a lot. And, and that's a benefit of playing a team like Milwaukee, especially without Drew Holiday. So, you know, there, there is a lot of pros and cons to, to making that kind of trade when you do trade Damian Lillard uh, or trade for Damian Lillard and get rid of Drew Holiday. But, you know, look at where the Celtics are at now. The Celtics are playing some of their best basketball. And, you know, I, I definitely think that Milwaukee felt like they needed to make that change offensively. But, Sometimes I think too much change is a bad thing, and we'll see how it plays out for them in the playoffs. But this team does not seem to me 
as fearful as they once did just a year ago. And maybe that's because the Pacers have gotten better, but it's also just because I feel like we can score on this team. Like they've become, uh, they they were a good scoring team the last couple of years, but you know, it feels like you can find different ways to guard them. Middleton, Lopez are a little bit older. Bobby Portis is not old by any stretch of the mean, but you know, he is kind of hit or miss with his impact on the court. I did not feel like he was a big impact tonight. Just what do you have? Like eight points, five rebounds, something like that. Uh, yeah. Four of 12 shooting though. Ugh. Yeah. He, he was not very impactful tonight. And he got into it a little bit with McConnell there a few different times. He was jawing with Jackson. He got a technical foul, you know, kind of does his normal stick, right? Yep. Andre Jackson Jr. Was nothing tonight. Only played like five total minutes in the game. So you really saw like, okay, we, if, Milwaukee is a, a team that is flawed, and I and I think the Pacers beating them three out of four times, it might just be a matchup thing for the Pacers, but I don't know. I just I don't feel like there's as much – I don't fear them as much as I did when they had Drew, and I think maybe that's because I feel like you can score on them from the perimeter because they don't have any solid perimeter defense. And Malik Beasley, if he's your best defender, I don't think that screams championship-level team. Now, I could be wrong. You got Giannis on your team, but – I just I feel like there are teams in the Eastern Conference that can and, and will have their way with Milwaukee in a seven-game series uh, to get to the NBA Finals. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm going to put it out there. I don't fear the deer. Yeah. All right? That used to be a statement. This is not the Bucks team of the past. I used to look at the Bucks on the schedule and go, oh, man, nah, that's, that's <laughs> a loss. You know, and you knew it was a loss. Now we beat the Bucks three times in, in classic fashion. We got to play them five times of all teams. But, you know, it's, it's amazing that the Pacers were able to get three wins over Milwaukee, which in the past would have taken years to be able to get three wins over the Bucks. So, yeah, it's not the same Bucks team. I, I do think that Brooke Lopez, while still a good player, has, Brooke Lopez has been in the league since 2008. It's a long time. Damian Lillard is a good player. He's not the same Damian Lillard from a couple years ago. And I just feel like overall, you look at this, Middleton's not the same that he used to be. He still, still had a good night. 
But, yeah, that bench, it, there, there's not much there. And I think that the Pacers now are a team that they're going to give you everything they got. And, and I think that the Bucks didn't overlook Indiana. They've played them enough. The Pacers just were resilient. They didn't quit. And I think that in the end, they were too much for the Bucks. Now, will that be the same case on Wednesday? I don't know. Eventually, you feel that the Bucks will probably even things out. But, I mean, this is a Bucks team that used to be one of the top defensive teams in the league. That is not the case anymore. The Patriots have been able to put up some good points on Milwaukee this season. Um, I know, obviously, look, Andrew Nemhard, I don't know what his status will be for Wednesday. Bruce Brown's still been out. Yeah. Alex, you know, not to go too too off there, but Pacers are hot right now, and they've been hot without Bruce Brown. What do you think? Do you think that the Andrew Nemhard injury could force Bruce Brown back a little bit quicker, or do the Pacers want to take their time here? I don't think they're going to rush Bruce back anytime soon. I think when he's ready to go, they'll put him out there. I don't think the Pacers are one of those teams that's going to really worry about rushing a guy back from an injury. They want to make sure Bruce is healthy for the long stretch. And I know they really believe in him as a player on this team, whether fans agree with that sentiment or not. I do think that the Pacers are just trying to handle this cautiously. And Tyrese Halliburton, after the game on Saturday against the Knicks, praised the Pacers for having the best medical staff in the entire NBA and said that he's had back issues since high school and that they've really worked with him to get his back worked out. And so, you know, you'd love to hear that because this is your franchise guy, and the Pacers are doing whatever they can to give special treatment to him. And Nimhard, what is this, the third or fourth time now that he's missed time with a back injury? You know, he got a hurt during practice. He's had the kidney stones. He's had a lot of injuries this year. He had that the knee injury that happened in the in-season tournament with yep. the leg hyperextension. So I think that for, for Nimhard, unfortunately, it's just a lingering thing that maybe – you know, flared up a little bit after he'd already had the back problems previously. So maybe that was that. But with Bruce Brown, I think it's a knee sprain, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, you know, it's like a bone bruise or bone something bruise. in the knee. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it was against Philadelphia back in November. He he banged his knee pretty hard and he had a, a sleeve on his knee. And like that's what the Pacers had like the five games off before they played against Orlando, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he was wearing that. Yep. And I remember asking Carlisle about that. And he was like, no, nah, he's fine. He'll play. But kind of have to wonder if maybe it's some lingering issues there. I haven't really asked too much about the bone bruise. We just know that it's been reported, what, the last five games now, five, six games. So it's yep. uh, it's one of those things where you're going to need Bruce eventually, though. You know, uh, a game like tonight, obviously, you were fi- able to find a way to do it without him. But Matherin this year has really done a great job against the Bucks. It's kind of interesting how well Matherin yeah, has really played has. Milwaukee. So – Maybe this slower pace like this, you know, like a rock fight can can kind of benefit Matherin. But I just I feel like the lack of great perimeter defense from the Bucks makes them a beatable team because the Pacers perimeter scoring is their strength. No, it's it's true. I mean, whatever reason is now, all of a sudden we match up well against Milwaukee and I'll take it. I, I didn't think I'd see the day, but I wanted to confirm just now. So Matherin's career high of 13 rebounds that came tonight against Milwaukee tops his previous career high of 11 rebounds, which came against Milwaukee. Mm. How does that make any sense? Matherin just is good for double-digit boards against Milwaukee now? Like, I, I, I love to see it. Hopefully we can see him do it against another opponent. Yeah. But, I mean, I would easily settle for Could we get five rebounds from Matherin on any given night? Sign me up. So the 13 rebounds, definitely a boost of confidence. And I just feel that we've seen lately players step up and play certain roles really well 
We know Matherin is a score-first guy, but to see what we saw on the glass tonight, extremely encouraging. And even if Andrew Nemhard is to miss the next game against Milwaukee, you know T.J. McConnell is ready. And mm -hmm. that's a luxury the Pacers have of not having to rush back Bruce Brown. Many teams do not have this many guards with playmaking capabilities that can step up we are blessed to be in that spot. It'll be interesting to see how Milwaukee changes some of their game plan coming into the game on Wednesday night. Obviously, you're going to get a more motivated Milwaukee team, a team probably ready to punch Indiana back in the mouth after losing on their home court, you know, and the Pacers holding Milwaukee, the number two offense in the league, to just 113 points. You know, that's the, what, the fifth time now in the last six games or whatever it is that they've held opponents yeah. under 120 points and they let the Knicks get 126. But I felt like that Still kind of was just bit. like out of hand a yeah. little bit. You know, it didn't feel like they were really going to score that many, but you can just tell there is yeah. an emphasis on the defense recently, and the Pacers have changed some things up schematically to kind of help with that. And, you know, I, I will say this, you know, Miles didn't have the greatest game, but he was still had a pretty solid game overall. You know, was able to overcome early foul trouble, had six free throws there in the second half, which I think were big. But the block that he had on Giannis, I mean, that could have oh, yeah. gone a lot of different ways. You know, it feels like anytime Giannis really attacks the paint, the Pacers were getting foul calls on him if he wasn't scoring. And that was one where they were able to have a great defensive play and, and Miles got the block. So um, you got to give Miles just a little bit of praise because you mentioned it. You were screaming like, no, Isaiah, you can't go out of the game. But for Miles to come back in there and, and really just show why he is the starting center on this team and not – allow you know what what the Pacers had success wise with Jackson to die when he came back in I thought that was really good from him but overall just a really good game just a great way to get the year started out you know give yourself some confidence you got 17 games in the month of January second toughest schedule in the NBA this is uh no easy task you know you got the Bucks again you got the Hawks back to back against Boston after that so tough home stretch here coming up but five games in a row at home before the Pacers hit a, a huge road trip this month Fachi. I'm hoping they can just continue to to find good ways to, to to build something here. Four games in a row, you love what you're seeing. I love it. And I, it's just we're carrying momentum over from 2023 into 2024. And don't look now, but the Pacers are in the sixth spot. Mm. Just one game back of being the four seed. I mean, we still we, we've said time and time again, this team needs to make a move. They need to make a move for right now. Oh, to be in the spot that we're in, it's just so encouraging knowing that there's – it's crazy because there's still a part of the fan base that's like, we're not – why even make the playoffs? You know, just, just focus on a draft pick. It's like, this is a good team. This is a good team that if you can add to it, it can definitely be a playoff team. But I think that it is not unrealistic to say this Pacers team could be a top six seed. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's not unrealistic. That's why I definitely feel that they could be, at minimum, a top eight seed. The schedule is going to be hard, just like you mentioned, but this Pacers team is also going to get Bruce Brown back. Eventually, you do hope they make a move. I feel like help is on the way, and the front office can see right now that you want to take an opportunity when it presents itself. And if there is the right opportunity, I do think that they will pounce on it, you know, come the trade deadline. This month will tell us a lot. If the Pacers are able to string together some wins here this month and kind of prove that this group right now is okay with where they're at, 
then I don't think the Pacers will make a drastic change by the deadline if this team is playing good basketball heading into February. Now, if they end up going in this month, 17 games, they go like 6 of 11 or 5 of 12 or something like that, and the Pacers kind of see themselves like, all right, we're about two games under 500. Maybe that's when they push the panic button just a little bit because they want to get more help to try to make a playoff run. But I think if they, they come out you know, on top and keep like three or four games above 500, I think they're going to be a little bit more hesitant to make a drastic change like fans might want or some fans might not want. I mean, there's been a lot of back and forth on what should the Pacers do this year with their roster and the trade market. So I, I don't know, but we can always say like, the Pacers have the cap space. They have the optionality in free agency if they don't go the trade route. So there is still a window of opportunity for Indiana to be players to go out and get somebody within the next 12 months. But right now, I, I think that just the way this team is playing right now, you do not want to lose that momentum, right, that they've established together. Keep riding the high. If this was, you know, if they start playing like they did after the in-season tournament, that's when you get a little bit more worried. But they've found some different things that they've been working on, whether it's been the lineup change or the schematic change. And I think they have the players on this roster to be a top six team in the Eastern Conference. And maybe that is just the stepping stone they want to take this year as they still look to develop their young players. No doubt about it. I mean, you still remember when the Pacers were going back to, you know, back to back conference finals, they made a couple moves. They traded for Evan Turner. You brought in Andrew Bynum. Didn't work out. Messed with the chemistry. Messed with the locker room. I just feel like they wanted to make moves to push ahead, and I think it ended up having a negative effect on the team. Look, we're not going to conference back-to-back conference finals right now, but that's what it reminded me of. But right now, we look back, and Chad Buchanan came on our show. We were really excited about this team. He said, I'll let you know how I feel about it in January. That really felt like the, like, we got to get through a little bit of October, November, December. That's not when anything, when you really get a feel for a team. Once you cross January, you enter into 2024, that's when you could start to see a 25, 30-game sample size of what a team could be. So, right now, hey, it is officially January, and I'm feeling good, but... We could have a totally different feeling after this month, so I just want to keep these good times rolling one game at a time. But you got you, you can't complain one bit about 18 and 14. I don't know off the top of my head what that would put the Pacers on pace for, but I've always felt this year if the Pacers could be anywhere around 45 wins, that's a really awesome step forward. That mm-hmm. really is for a team that won 35. Five last year. It is so hard to continuously win 10 more games than the year before. You just don't see that happening. So right now, I would say 18 to 14, that probably puts them on pace for roughly 45, probably a little bit more, actually, in terms yeah. of wins. We'll see how this month plays out and see if they're still on pace to do that. You know, like, like I said, they got a really tough schedule. But one game at a time, you can't look too far ahead of the schedule and just Who's your opponent the next night up? Let's go out there and beat them. What can we do to beat them? And I think the Pacers can do that. So uh, last thing for me, did you see what James Johnson wore into the building tonight? No, I didn't. No, I did not. Nope. Okay, so he has on a black hat that says security on it. He also okay, I saw him walking a, with Tyrese, but yes. yeah, I didn't know. I didn't see what it was. He's also got on a shirt that said Wild, Wild Boys Party. No S, F around. 
So James Johnson clearly knows his role on this team. He's here to be the enforcer. He's here to be the team leader. He's here to be that good mentor in the locker room. And let's be honest, I think that he is, his presence has been felt here. Uh, our, our man Rooster did just share this picture on Twitter about 20 minutes ago. So if you're looking for it, that's where you should go. I, I um, am looking at it right now. It, it, it's weird because the second I opened up my phone, it was the first thing that popped up. Rooster so it couldn't have been algorithm. any more it must have been. I mean, look, we talk about things. I think my phone's just listening. Either way, I got the picture, and it, it's just it's Classic. just awesome because James Johnson truly is our security. And when Isaiah Jackson got that tough foul, I thought, why don't we give James Johnson a little bit of run, a little bit of playing time right now? You know, it's just, you know, let's get him out there and just have a quick conversation. That's all. But awesome to have him over there, and I think that this is that veteran you know, to have another veteran in there, I think, is a big difference. Look, we can't just look at the roster of, and, and say, you know, look at the, the schedule and say, okay, what's our record since we signed James Johnson? We can't say that. But at the same point, I guarantee you he's providing a lot of veteran leadership behind the scenes, and that is always useful in the NBA. Yeah, he's just a very welcomed addition to this roster with what they needed, and it just kind of completes – the, the personalities that this team needs, you know, they have a lot of good players, a lot of young players, a lot of guys trying to evolve into a different role, but sometimes you see that big brother to come back you up, to be there for you, to support you. It, it's one thing to go to a basketball game and play your best, but when your parents are there in the stands, or your family members are there in the stands watching you, it just makes you feel a little bit more comfortable. And I think that's kind of where James Johnson fits in with this team. He is just that guy that he's there for support. He's not going to be on the court really adding a lot of, uh, extra to this Pacers team. He's just there to be the enforcer. And we, we know, I mean, Giannis wasn't running down the, the, the hallway tonight. He wasn't one nope. the game ball tonight. He looked over, saw Jim Johnson once. Was like, All right. The Nassus ain't here to back me up either tonight. The Nassus was out for personal reasons. We're not, we're, we're not going to do this tonight. Uh, we'll see y'all in Indiana. We'll see y'all in Indiana Wednesday. Let's shake hands because apparently that's the new, uh, the new story from the Milwaukee newspaper there. You know, their version of the Indy star basically said that, Giannis was not mad about the ball. It was they knew they had the ball. It was about the handshakes. The Pacers wouldn't shake their hands. Mm, had to change yeah. the narrative, Fachi, whatever fits, right? Exactly. And you know what? Bucks fans were a little quiet tonight on Twitter. None of my I mentions. didn't really I didn't see them. I don't know where they were. Maybe maybe they weren't watching the game. I don't know. Seemed to be a little bit quiet. We'll see what who pops up in our YouTube channel after we say this, but at at the same point, you know what? Hey, it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of a rivalry brewing, and I think that right now the Pacers are no pushover. This is not the same Indiana team of the past, just like this is not the same Milwaukee team of the past. Alex, 2024, it's treating us well. The winning streak continues. Yes, it does, Fachi. Go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content. And please leave us a five-star rating interview wherever you get your podcast because... We want people to know about this show, and we want to thank you all for another excellent 2023. We had a fantastic year of growth as we continue to add more and more listeners to the podcast via audio and YouTube, so that means a lot to us. But Fachi, if you're open to Pacers, can give the Bucks 
their fourth loss to the Pacers this season on Wednesday night. Please scream those three words. Let's go Pacers! It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com